Insider Jeff Howe on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Four to shoot, out the car, he'll fire up a three, it's good for Marcus. Excellent job of getting into position, shot ready. Crossover, into the corner, Marcus lines up a three-pointer and Carr nails it. Excellent job of spotting up in the corner, running his lane. Bishop to Carr, into the front court, here's Marcus driving down, got the bucket and one. Carr flying through the defense to Allen, back to Carr, he'll rise up for three, good! Marcus with 16 first-half points to the right wing behind a Bishop screen. Carr will fire up another three and hits his fourth three-pointer of the first half. Carr wants another three, has another three. Marcus Carr on fire, 22 first-half points. Out the Carr, wants another three, that's good. This Carr is running hot. Marcus Carr. Hit his 6-3 of the first half. He has 25 in transition. Allen to Hunter. Out front, Carr wants it. That's another three. Marcus Carr with 28 in the first half and seven three-pointers. Texas leads 42-27. Here's Carr. Going to try another three. Good! Are you believing this? 33 in the first half from Marcus Carr. Locates Arterio Morris on the right wing. Back to Marcus Carr. Carr fires up a three. Good! His first shot of the second half. Carr picks up where he left off. He has 36 now. And Texas up 69-48. And it's inbound of Carr in the corner. Will fire up a long range three and it's good! Marcus Carr now with 39 points. He has tied the University of Texas record for most three-pointers of the game. That was his 10th of the night. It was quite the evening for Marcus Carr and for the Texas Longhorns last night. And uh, they picked up their 11th win in 12 tries, and now they move on to Big 12 conference play. And uh, a big win for them. And we move on to get ready for the Valero Alamo Bowl. Good morning, everybody, from inside the Alamo Dome here in San Antonio. This is Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049-1019-AM1260, or live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. I thank you very much for joining us. Joined, as always, by my co-host, pride of Northwest Williamson County and a proud graduate of Florence High School. Always. Even though in Florence they don't know where the cough switch is. There's a cough button for you. I there. thought if you yeah. turned it up. Yeah. Well, that one, that, that specific headset does. Not all of them do. Okay. So that's why I hooked you up with a cough box. You know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe. How you doing this morning? If I was from Gerald, I would be amazed by all this technology in front of me. See all the Gerald people saying that. that, that the guy from Florence doesn't even know what a cough switch is. And there's indoor something. plumbing around the corner, too, which I know is a luxury. <laughs> right, here we go again. County. Here we go. We're in Bear County this morning inside the Alamo Dome. Uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we're here, obviously, uh, with... With the uh, Alamo Bowl, Bowl practices going on, uh, the practices, the full-on practices are done for the Texas Longhorns and the Washington Huskies. There's a walkthrough today, and there is the final pre-bowl news conference with the two head coaches, Steve Sarkeesian and uh, also Kalen DeBoer, and we'll bring you that news conference live coming up uh, right at about 11 o'clock at the top of the hour, so we'll look forward to that. But there are many things to discuss uh, on the on the program this morning, and I guess uh, we could start right at the uh, top of the hour and a, a tip of the cap to uh, um, 
to our man Jacob Mendoza at the station, then Snoop also putting together the uh, uh, highlight montage and Snoop uh, 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 putting uh, some music to it as well. So it was good to hear that. And uh, what a night for Marcus Carr last night, uh, Jeff. 41, first first 40-point game on the 40 since Reggie Freeman. I would I would have thought Kevin Durant had one in there, but yeah. I think KD's high was 37 yep. against Kansas. He did it a couple of times. Yeah, he, did a, he had a 37-23 performance in Lubbock. One one night, uh, and I think he had a thirty, maybe not thirty-seven, but it was pretty close to that when he had that big showdown with Mario Bogans, yeah, in uh, Stillwater, and Bogans had a giant game, like thirty-seven and twenty or something like that. But yeah, he never hit the forty-point mark. I, I knew I had never called a forty-point game from a uh, Longhorn before, and you're right, first time since Reggie Freeman in '96, and Eddie Orn tells a story that Reggie was sick. Uh, the the day really? before, and they didn't think he was going to be able to play, and uh, got out there and had a sick game. I mean, he just went he went crazy in that one. But you know, that's one of those deals. And we'll hear from Marcus Carr, and we'll hear uh, as well uh, for Rodney Terry. Uh, we'll we'll have that coming up. But you know, it's just one of those deals when you it, and I had to start off by asking him about it about that whole feel thing and mm-hmm. players. You've seen it a million times, Jeff. I mean, when you were. Lighten up the rat P. Jim and uh, and Gerald, you were, you know. Which I did, mostly yeah. from the foul line. About the, where the bulk of my work happened. Um, you realize, Craig, in the four games that Rodney Terry's been the acting head coach, and this is what kind of, it's impressive, but also kind of drove you nuts about Marcus last year. He played his best in, like, the biggest games, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Kansas games, the NCAA tournament. Like, when, when Texas needed Marcus Carr to be big time, he was. And at this point in time where, obviously, there's this understatement of the year, a lot of uncertainty around the program, you need you know, your veteran guys to play their best. And, and for the most part, they have, whether it's Timmy Allen, uh, Christian Bishop, and Marcus, your veteran guys have led the way. You realize Marcus Carr shooting 61% from three over the it's last four amazing, games? amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And... Uh, and what impressed me about last night, it wasn't just kind of iso ball and him trying to beat a guy one on one and forcing it. It was all within the flow of the offense. I, un, under you know, and Bob Donawal uh, Jr. has you know he's been in charge of the offense even when Chris Beard was on the bench, but I think even more so now that it's Rodney Terry and they've had to divvy up some of the responsibilities. Their ball movement the last four games has been really, really good. I think the second half of the Stanford game, uh, or maybe it was the first half of the Stanford game, whatever it was, it might have been, there was a chunk in the Stanford game where it was as good as it's been all year. Uh, and then especially the last two games. I mean, you have a 97-point a, a game last night. Uh, you had 100 against Louisiana last week. Uh, but the ball movement, guys getting good looks at the basket, they're not forcing a ton of shots right now, Craig. A lot of those are really good looks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll tell you what, let's hear from Rodney Terry uh, talking about this, uh, Snoop, uh, uh, the Longhorns uh, acting head coach, uh, Rodney Terry, when I had the post-game conversation with him inside the locker room and, and talking about not only Marcus Carr's performance, but the performance of the rest of the team. Coach games like that, isn't it? Well, you know, again, they're, they're hard games to play at times, you know what I mean? Uh, you're playing a team that's going to come in and uh, they've really got nothing to lose in terms of how hard they're going to try to play and shoot the over 33s in the game and try to spread you out and drive you a little bit. Defensively, it's really challenging when we get our guys to try to play one-on-one defense and keep guys out of the paint to where they're not attacking and spraying out for threes and everything. But uh, but I thought our guys worked the game. I mean, obviously, Marcus had a special night. But Marcus right now is really lost in, in winning, whatever it takes to win right now. 
right now and I'm just excited for his, his performance and I know his teammates were excited for him as well. As a coach and with the, your staff, how much goes into when he starts off like he did tonight, when Marcus had the 33 in the first half and he's knocking down three after three, does anything change in terms of the game plan or is it an innate from the guys to get him the ball to have an opportunity when a guy is feeling it like that? I think again, just the way we plan and the way we've been playing over the last three or four ball games, we're really doing a great job of moving the basketball. I mean, we had 28 assists tonight, you know, 10 turnovers, and, you know, we've really worked hard over the last week and a half, two weeks on just popping the ball around and getting that ball moving from side to side, and tonight, you know, our guys obviously knew that Marcus had a hot hand, and when they could find him, they were looking for him. You know, Timmy Allen had eight assists. Tyrese had eight assists. You know, those guys are willing passers. Marcus is a willing passer himself, but shot the ball extremely well tonight. Yeah, I thought your defense, when you kept the ball on one side, you trapped it. I thought you really were effective, and I thought that was something you did well today. We gave up a lot of blow-bys. I mean, when we say blow-bys, when we had guys get down in the in the paint for us, and we really want to try to keep guys out of the teeth of our defense because we knew if they got in there, they could create a scoring opportunity for one of their teammates. But uh, we played hard, and the biggest thing is, again, we said 80 minutes, and we're already preparing for Big 12 play tonight. We're not trying to prepare Saturday. We're playing basically a faceless opponent, trying to get better tonight defensively and offensively. You know, you mentioned Timmy Allen. He scores eight points at six rebounds, eight assists. That sounds like a Timmy Allen kind of night, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a workman's kind of day. You know, we need him every night and every day in practice to try to punch the clock to be able to do that. The thing we try to hop to the guys is, you know, we don't want you to come in the games trying to do something you had in practice. He does it in practice every day. You know, he works hard on both ends of the floor, tries to rebound for us, plays a number of different positions. You know, tonight was a, a great willing passer. How about the timetable now heading up to this conference opener just around the corner? Yeah, I mean, we got back Christmas Day, and I thought we had a really good practice, two-hour practice, where guys got a chance to, to work on some things that we need to try to continue to improve. Our transition defense tonight, we only gave up two points, and I think in fast break baskets, we've got to be able to get back and get our defense set. Now we just got to continue to sit down and want to guard and get back to really uh, keeping guys out of the paint. Yeah, at no time like the present with uh, the uh, Big 12 Conference opener Saturday afternoon uh, in Norman against Oklahoma. Uh, but I, you make some great points, Jeff. The, the, the fact that it's within the rhythm and the flow of the offense. Eddie Orton commented on that a couple of times during the game. It was And, and really these last few ball games, a lot of the offenses come pretty smoothly, pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it ratchets up when, when it gets into conference play and, and they're playing better teams and league play and how it goes from there. But but it's looked very fluid here the last few ball games. I think part of that, too, I think it's a player, no matter what sport, adjusting to a different voice. I mean, just the fact that Chris Beard's not there. I mean, Rodney Terry and, and Bob Donald and all those guys have been there, but I think the fact that the the message from the top is different and, and just kind of having to disseminate and everything like that. Um, I'll, I've got Marcus Carr's numbers, Greg, for the last four games. Yes. Uh, 25.8 points per game. Shoot, like I said, 61.2% from 58.7% from the field. 16 assists. In Austin. Recycling.com. You know, when your uh, broadcast connection drops out, you may feel that you've gone to Funky Town, at least in a uh, in a broadcast world. <laughs> they had a little uh, uh, internet dropout uh, here in the building, so uh, everything's back and up and running. So we're glad to hear that. Uh, and uh, I think where we were, Snoop, uh, uh, correct. And by the way, I haven't even introduced our uh, erstwhile producer, the purveyor of all good things, 
Flex ATX because after all, in final analysis, it's a flex. He's Jonathan John Donaldson, J. J. Donaldson. We know him as Snoop Daniel. How you doing this morning, Snoop? I'm doing good. It's the holiday. It's a weird week, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it, that holiday week's a little bit different. Yeah. That, that's for sure. Did you make it out to uh, either of the holiday? basketball high school basketball tournaments last I time? did I went to the round walk rock one yesterday for the boys today I'm gonna visit the uh, the ladies out in Bastrop so I guess I'm saying it in public and they're hearing it so I'll be <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely be there and uh, it's a <laughs> lot of t- yes and so uh, I'll be there you know repping for the ladies too out there hooping uh, it's, it's basketball season <laughs> that it is. That so it's is. hoop snoop now. Hoop snoop, hoop yeah. Snoop. And and like uh, it, uh, I guess like with the technical glitch, it was good because we do have a truncated. That's the right word. Show. So <laughs> look at look at just look at Snoop using yeah. the big brain. rolling out truncated. <laughs> Actually, look at the big brain on Snoop. Yeah. <laughs> the show today is much like what we have on Mondays during football season. So we do the show. You know, ten o'clock from the where the press conference is going to happen. We're, we're you know we're close by where Sark's regular weekly Monday press conference takes place, and uh, then uh, at eleven o'clock, just like on Mondays, we will bring you uh, the news conference. In this case, it's not only Sark; it's Kalen DeBoer, the Washington Huskies head coach. So we'll do that, and uh, and then and then we'll finish up the show. So it's not a, it's not truncated in terms of its length. Snoop, it, it, we we do have the full two hour show. It, it's it's segmented. I think it Ooh. might be the the proper phraseology here, given the fact that we, uh, you know, when we get into uh, the second hour, uh, basically about thirty minutes of it or close to yeah. is is uh, taken up by the news conference, which we want to bring to everybody. Truncated became my favorite word during the pandemic. Yeah, loved it. We all live truncated lives, uh, you know, with that lifestyle. To the point where anything I wrote, it got to the point where, you know, I was getting messages like, hey, can you find a word other than truncated <laughs> to, to use for this abbreviated season? Uh, I tell you what wasn't truncated, as we were saying, I think right about the time. Snoop, I was going to ask at the time we had the little uh, the technical glitch, the dropout here. Were we, uh, were we already into talking about Luka Doncic? Not yeah, It was night? just before it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're wrapping okay. up uh, the hoops talk for UT, which, I mean, Marcus okay. Carr, shout out to him. Yes, and we're going to hear from Marcus Carr uh, also. We'll hear we'll hear from him a little bit later on this hour. But uh, we had moved on to Luka Doncic, yeah. and in uh, a, a landmark historic game, uh, as as Jeff was pointing out when we were broadcasting to the nether regions and nowhere else at the time to ourselves, that it had never been done before, uh, and, and nobody had ever had a sixty twenty game, sixty points, twenty one rebounds, ten assists. That had never happened. Will Chamberlain had had some absolutely amazing eye-popping uh, games in his career, especially if we go back and, and look on back early, but nothing like this. And, uh, and, and, and what folks were telling me was that uh, as impressive as it was, and I didn't get to see it because it was broadcasting uh, the uh, Longhorns game and then moving, uh, driving back down here to San Antonio, but as impressive as it was, perhaps the most impressive thing was, was Luca intentionally missing the free throw Getting the rebound and going back up for game time shot to get the game into overtime. And his his reaction was probably if if somehow it could be better than the actual act uh, the actual play that it developed. His reaction was awesome. Yeah, he's jumping around like a he little. Th- he said he thought he won the game. <laughs> he's jumping around like a little kid getting ready to get on a roller coaster, just shaking. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, that was fun. But like you said, Craig, first sixty twenty triple double. 
uh, in NBA history. And, and they were down nine with 33.2 to go and came back. And thank goodness for the sorry-ass Knicks. So <laughs> They've been good lately. They have. They, they have. They've been pretty good. But, but uh, Luke and the Mavs were just enough to get past the Metroplex them. native Julius Randle. Yes, absolutely, Knicks. out of South Oak Cliff. Um after the game, I think we've got some some sound here. This was, uh, I think it might have been uh, Jeff Skinway doing the interview with him on the on the uh, Mavericks telecast last night. This is uh, his his interview with a very fatigued uh, Luka Doncic. Fifteen seconds. Sixty point twenty rebound triple double. Sixty points, twenty boards. Never it never happened, baby. How's it feel right now? I'm tired as hell. <laughs> you can rest later. You're young. I need a recovery beer. Oh, we can handle that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I need a recovery beer. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, tremendous game. Are uh, our beer sponsors forming a line to the left to be the official <laughs> beer of Luca this morning? Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, that was an amazing game, just like we were talking about Marcus Carr's outstanding game uh, last night. I what kind of beer Luca rolls with post game? Like, is, is he is he like a nice IPA, something high brow? I, I think it's it's got to be something Euro, wouldn't it? I mean, he grew up in Slovenia, know. and it, he start. And you see what he was wearing on Christmas Day to the arena. He's starting to you know develop. He's yeah. starting to. Channel his inner text, and maybe it's maybe he likes a nice Lone Star after the game. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. That's that's entirely it's, possible. It's Schlitz malt liquor. <laughs> Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get torn. <laughs> I had that said to me one time years ago in my misspent youth, when uh, it was <laughs> estimated. I cannot tell you that I remember this much of this. I was I was eighteen, and uh, had just gotten out to Texas where the legal drinking age at the time was 18 mm-hmm. when I first got out here and uh, went out with a cousin of mine. We were working together at a part-time job when I first got out here and we were off on Mondays. So Sunday night was kind of like our Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And I, I went out with him and we just like picked up some hamburgers or something. But then we went and he had, he had like a case of, 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 I think it was half quart Schlitz malt liquors, and I don't even really like that. But started drinking, and of course, after a while, the more you drink, the better it tastes. After a while, and Six Schlitzes. I, the the next thing I know, I I wake up in the back of his car. He's taking me back uh, to my home, and I wake up in the car, and uh, I know I'm going to be sick. <laughs> As eighteen year olds who drink a lot, you know that kind of thing. And I said. Hey, um, I need you to pull over. And he's like, "Why? Well, you're going to be sick, yeah?" And he goes, "When?" I said, "Like right now." So he pulls over. And he goes, "Well, let me get. I'm on the highway." And he pulls off to the side, and I get out, and I lean over, and then of course I, you know, I I throw all of the uh, the uh, Schlitz malt liquor the all, all, all yep all over uh, like an, a shoulder off the <laughs> side of the road. So all of this stuff goes over, and. And it was in the winter time, and it was kind of cold and chilly. And I, I, I lean up, and there's a little bit of rain dripping around. And I look, and in the middle, of, this is in the middle of the night because we work graveyard shift. So this is in the middle of the night, and I look up, and I've got vomit dripping <laughs> off my chin. And I look at me, and the first thing I see in front of me is Texas Stadium it's in Irving, in the middle of the night. Ah, uh, to awesome. be 18 again. He, and he told me later. He said, "I started counting how many of those half-court malt liquors you drank." I was like, yeah, he goes, you drank 18 of them. 
I said, what? Jeez, Craig. And you let me? <laughs> look, look at an 18-year-old Craig Wade knowing how to party. Yeah, okay, that was the last time I ever did anything <laughs> like that. That was one of those unfortunate uh, mistakes, and you do all that. Luke is probably a little bit classier than I was in college where you do the move where you get like a, a box of wine, and yeah. you just you know you just get so into your inner white trashiness that you just of take, course. take the bladder out of the box and just carry the <laughs> bladder of wine around. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's uh, let's see if we can move to something constructive like today's Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Uh, it's a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. Uh, check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K. See if Aaron can do for you what uh, she did for Linda and me, and that was to get us with that 10-day home loan approval guarantee. So we've got a a couple of Alamo Bowl notes, and then we'll hear from Marcus Carr. Yeah, a a lot of eyes, obviously, for obvious reasons on Quinn Ewers for this game. No B. John Robinson, no Roshan Johnson. Look, Texas still needs to try to run the ball. I mean, Washington's got one of the worst run defenses in the country, so you still need to try to establish the run. And, you know, I talked to Jake Majors and Kyle Flood yesterday about just the the confidence this offensive line has. Kyle Flood had some, some really good one-liner, some really good quotes yesterday. You know, I asked him about uh, Jatavian Sanders and the kind of year he's had and how he, you know, developing as a blocker because Texas, they run a lot of 12 personnel. The tight end's heavily involved. Uh, the split zone where it's a zone zone run to one side and the tight end blocks back across the formation has been really good for Texas. Uh, and I asked Kyle Flood how important JT's development as a blocker has been. He said, look, he said, a, a tight end who, he said, I've always said this, a tight end who doesn't block is just a slow wide receiver and nobody wants those. So that's just a credit to the job Jatavian Sanders. By the way, I don't know if I, I don't think we touched on this, Craig. Jatavian Sanders has 49 catches. If he catches two balls tonight, he breaks David Thomas's school record for catches in a season by a tight end. Wow. So yeah, that's one of those records that you didn't think would fall. Well, at some and, point. and considering and, considering the track record Texas tight ends have had pretty much for the last. 15 years and and as a backup to what you were saying about the husky defense the rush defense is 35th that's not awful but their pass defense is 91st yeah and and their their total defense is 55th and their scoring defense is 63rd so yeah the, the opportunity might be there you'd think for jt sanders to, to have a few catches i think so looking at some of the advanced statistics you know their rushing success rate allowed i think they're like 108th in the country i'll pull that up during the break and have that i think they're like 108th in the country and uh run success rate allowed so yeah the texas does need to run the ball but a lot a lot of eyes on Quinn Ewers, and I thought, you know, he, you know, Quinn held court yesterday with the media, and we've got a couple of uh, articles up at Horns 24-7 right now. You can get over and check these out. But I, I think, you know, we've heard Quinn late in the year, I think, speak a lot of truth and really be introspective about his season. I thought this quote, Craig, was, was poignant. Uh, he said, I thought I, on it, I thought I had it all figured out after that Oklahoma game, honestly. But there's so much more to it. And after that Oklahoma State game, I got to really dig deep into those defenses and really figure out tips and certain things like reminders that will help me figure it out. But that's football. Just as important as the game is studying the game. Yep. And I think you could kind of sense that a little bit. Look, I, I kind of wrote that. That was my big takeaway from the Oklahoma game is I'm like, all right, the you know, the highest-graded quarterback, the highest-rated quarterback tied with Vince Young and Arch Manning in the history of recruiting, he's he's living up to the hype, and, and he, he's not – the stage wasn't too big for him, and this, that, and the other. And, you know, he went to Stillwater and kind of, you know, let's not beat around the bush, fell flat on his face two weeks later against Oklahoma State. Uh, and then the, the TCU game was not very good, and then we saw what happened in the Baylor game. So it's just – I think it's part of – I think we forget – you know, especially when you're you're building a program in the way Sark is, given what happened last year, and you're kind of overhaul the roster, and it's kind of year one point two almost, if you will, right. given given the circumstances. I think we forget sometimes the slow burn 
that it is to develop a quarterback. I mean, from the time I've been following the program, you know, Chris Sims went through it, Vince Young went through it, Colt went through it, mm-hmm. Sam went through it. Mm-hmm. it. Even the best guys we've seen in this program, they have that time through their first year, year and a half. Uh, where they struggle. I mean, we can – I think people – look fondly at Colt's career for obvious reasons, but I think history forgets like, I don't know that the fan base really thought Colt was the guy. I don't think until that Oklahoma game, Craig, in 08. I, I agree. That was the point where you're like, okay, this guy because there were times in that 07 season where you know, it just, he was, I know he was banged up a little bit and then, you know, John Childs had to come in during the Nebraska game and there were games where he just flat didn't play well right and jamal charles had to save the day at times but you know it, it even took, after the alamo of uh, the uh holiday bowl winner of arizona yeah. state there were folks going is he yeah the guy well you know and and then he he obviously you know it, it just yeah. took it took it uh completely over and away but it's a slow it's a slow burn and, and quinn i really do think quinn will get there he obviously had the growing pains but i think that to me is the biggest thing to watch tomorrow night is does quinn ewers look different tomorrow night than the Quinn Ewers we saw that pretty much for the, the entire second half of the season. Yeah, it's 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 a great point. And and remember, um, Colt McCoy's first bowl win as a starting quarterback was right in this yep. building in 06 with the come from – they were down 14 nothing to Iowa Yeah, before they came back to win that Yeah, contest. and uh, j- just a couple other things. Uh, you know, Xavier, Xavier Worthy uh, – kind of turned some heads yesterday with his non-committal answer when he was asked if he's going to come back for 2023. Uh, Chip Brown has a, a really good morning column, though, uh, that not only gets into that, but uh, that, you know, how hard Xavier Worthy works and just kind of getting into his background and kind of what drives him. So I think, and I've even seen some Twitter feedback already, it makes you look at X in a different light than I think maybe what the public persona would lead you to believe he's like behind the scenes. So I'd encourage uh, everybody to go to Horns 24-7 and check that one out. All right. Uh, it, that's uh, the football side of it. Basketball, uh, Texas women play tonight uh, just like the men did last night. It'll be against Texas A&M Commerce tonight. It's at 7 o'clock. You can hear it on 105.3. The bat will begin uh, coverage at 645 and then uh, the uh, tip-off at 7 o'clock. And, of course, the Longhorn men last night with a win over A&M Commerce, 97-72. Uh, by the way, it was the first Texas me- first meeting between those two. You'd, you'd say, well, those two teams never played before, right? Uh, A&M Commerce just, just, just went D1. No, no. There was a time uh, when it didn't matter if you played Division II teams or whatever, and Texas played then East Texas State. And, uh, and beat them in 1962 was the last time. So it had been 60 years since the two programs had, uh, had met. And, and my son, Andy Way, had pointed out that East, then East Texas State was the team that then Texas Western in the movie Glory Road beat that had where they had all the racial issues and mm-hmm. stuff and getting out. He goes, that was East Texas State when they played when they, when they played that game or something. Like. And apparently folks over in Commerce were not real pleased about how it was depicted uh, in that deal. But uh, Marcus Carr was you just – So you mean to tell me Ken Palm wasn't doing non-conference strength of schedule? It didn't happen. Then? There was no uh, bracketological prognostication from Joe Lenardi. Mark Torvik wasn't uh, up and running at just, that just, point. Just, it was it not. Jerry okay. Palm did not have the breakdown either. <laughs> Somehow that did not happen. Uh, what did happen was Marcus Carr landmark game of 41 points, uh, tying a UT first half or a single half scoring record of 33 points. Uh, as, as Joe Cook said to me when I walked in, he goes, I, I bet you didn't expect to be uttering the name Jim Crevax last night. Uh, but Crevax uh, had 33 in the second half of a game. 
against Northern Montana. Bill Little did the play-by-play for that game, and I saw Bill last night. And I asked him, I said, you remember anything? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I remember Abe taking him out of the game. The fans were unhappy. And there was a little smattering of boos when Marcus came out, but there was two and a half minutes to go in the yeah. ball game when he came out. And you're up by 30. Yeah, at that point. And, uh, but uh, that was one record that he tied. The other was the 10 three-pointers. I remember that afternoon. It was a Saturday afternoon game. Al Coleman against Kansas State did it in the 96-97 season, which was a Sweet 16 year for Texas. And Eddie said on the broadcast, he goes, if Al's watching right now, I'll bet you he's rooting for, for Marcus to break the record. Al was that kind of guy. Great guy. Former A. Leaf Hastings Bear, and he was, and he was rooting for. But um, after the game, we had a, a brief chat with Marcus Carr to talk about his uh, landmark effort in the Texas win last Visiting night. Visiting with, as they say in soccer parlance, the man of the match, Marcus Carr, with 41, tying your career high. Obvious question is, is it a feel thing when you get that going early in a ball game? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, honestly, me and the staff and the coaches and we're just talking. They're like, you know, you've been shooting the ball really well. It looks like it feels good. You know, they could just tell from the outside. And, you know, I had a couple early looks and it felt good. And my teammates noticed as well. So once I knocked a couple down, they said, we're just going to keep looking for you. And so really, it's all credit to my teammates looking for me, especially in that first half. You know, I was just able to knock them down. And I know you've been on some of the other side of that where you're a teammate feeding another hot hand who has it. So is that one of those deals where guys look and your eyes meet and they know to try to get it to you? Uh, yeah, 100%. You know, this team, we have great chemistry, uh, great communication, a great understanding of each other and just, you know, where each other likes to be, where they like the ball, where they like to score. So, you know, tonight just happened to be my night and, you know, any other night could be anybody else. Okay, so eight in the first half. I mean, did you give thought to the three-point record in the second half? I honestly had no idea until I hit, I guess, the 10th one. Uh-huh. And then everybody in the in the arena started cheering. And then Timmy kind of looked at me at the free throw line. He's like, look up. And I looked up and I saw that, you know, I tied the record. So that was like, oh, wow. And then I was like, okay, maybe I might try and get one more after that. But and you before, that, <laughs> before that, I had no idea. I was really just out there playing. I didn't even know I hit 10. So, you know, it's just honestly just it's just a blessing, an honor. You know, I give thanks to God and, and my teammates. In terms of start a conference play, you think this team's ready to roll into the conference opener on Saturday? Uh, 100%. I think, you know, we've had our battles, we've had our tests, and, you know, we've done what we needed to do, continue to get better from the beginning of the season until now, and, you know, we just have to continue to carry those things with us throughout conference play and continue to get better. Yeah, plain and simple, continue to get better because they're going to need to be better uh, coming up 72 hours from now uh, when they when they get ready to play the Oklahoma Sooners there at Lloyd Noble because all of this is really good, and as you pointed out, it's their best start since the 2009-2010 season when they rose as high as number one in the country. Uh, but uh, but that's non-conference. They have that one non-conference game remaining, and that's at the end of January. And uh, they'll be in Knoxville to we'll take on Tennessee. We'll step up in competition. And boy, it will be with that SEC Big 12 challenge and going up against the Tennessee Volunteers in Knoxville. However... Uh, conference play begins on Saturday afternoon, so it's a big one, and we'll see. The last non-AQ conference opponent of the year. There you go. All right. Uh, um, up, yes. The last one bid league opponent of the year. I there you say. go. There you go. Um, I will say this: the records Marcus was chasing last night. Mm-hmm. It was really good for me to channel my youth as a Longhorn basketball fan when I'm looking at the record books and seeing Al Coleman and B.J. Tyler and Reggie Freeman. Yeah, like, oh, it's taking taking me back to the day when. 
I would like, uh, you know, we, during Christmas break, you'd get like a $2 discount ticket for a mezzanine seat at the drum to watch some, some Longhorn And basketball. if you're a little kid, you like going way up to the top, right? <laughs> yeah. I used to do that back in the 70s at the Carolina Cougars games in the ABA. I did the, I did the same uh, thing there on that. Is that at the uh, Greensboro Coliseum? It was at the, uh, at the Greensboro Coliseum. And as I, as I segue to that, a lot of good wrestling happened at the Greensboro Coliseum. Absolutely. Back in the day. So, I went to a couple of matches there. Did you really? That's where I saw a, a very uh, young – let me think about this. Uh, yeah, it was a very young Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, was big in the Carolinas. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, coming up, uh, we'll uh, get to Inconceivable. We do have a little Inconceivable there, including some uh, latest behavior from Mike Gundy. I was wondering if we were going to get to that. Oh, today, we're going to so. get to that. We're yeah. going to get to that. Uh, we're going to do that. And, again, coming up at the top of the hour will be the Alamo Bowl Head Coaches News Conference. We'll bring it to you live with Sark and Kalen DeBoer. As we continue from the Alamo Dome here this morning, we'd like the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AN Pro60. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Hi, I'm Brad with Homes by Avi. And I'm Aaron Bowersock. We are currently offering incredible incentives at all of our communities across. I think it miss. Inconceivable might mean something outside of the sporting realm. However, when it comes to a guy like Mike Gundy, inconceivable could mean something as simple as a question from the media. And we're going to play some audio here. Have you heard this yeah, audio? Okay. I heard it this morning. Do you know who the reporter was that asked that? Um, I believe he works for uh, Pistols Firing Oklahoma State. An Oklahoma State blog. It's a pretty well-known Oklahoma State uh, blog. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, very good. All right. Um, so, the Oklahoma State, in case you didn't hear, lost last night its bowl game uh, to Wisconsin 24-17. They were down 24-7. Pulled to within seven, but that was as close as they could get. Uh, the Cowboys, who actually started the year, what, 5-0, and oh, and were they ranked in the top ten before that overtime loss to TCU, uh, end up finishing the year 7 and six, and a lot of buzz around the program as to whether maybe changes are. There's lots of guys in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, uh, with that in mind, uh, a question was put to Mike Gundy by a reporter, and it did not draw a very friendly response. So you're with the portal now. Staff changes happened earlier and earlier in the year. Um, you haven't made any tier staff that you anticipate that happening between now and now. I can't. I, you're, you're moving to mind. So staff changes are starting to happen earlier and earlier now with the portal um, being a thing. Do you, do you anticipate any, making any changes to your staff between now and next season? Do you think I would have to tell you if I was making staff changes? No, but I have well, to Well, then ask. why would you ask? Because I have to. It's my job. Okay, well, I might have to cut you out. I mean, don't be an ass. Really? I mean, those, those people's lives, man. Those people's families, right? Okay, don't mess with people's families. Let's do this the right way. Are you with me on this? It's not fair to people's families, man. All right, that will conclude our press conference. I'm not mad about the game. I just don't like ignorance. We'll conclude our press conference with Oklahoma State. So there Thank it you, is. Coach. Maybe he should be mad about the game considering how uh -huh. their season ended. I, you know, yeah. you do have to ask tough questions in a press conference. And yep. I saw the reporter said, hey, maybe, you know, I'll ponder whether I should have asked it right then. I don't know Oklahoma State's media schedule, like, does Mike Gundy do like a postseason wrap up, or are they not going to get him again until February? Right. So maybe this was your last opportunity on that beat to ask that question. Mm -hmm. And you know, if, if if a reporter hears different things from sources, and you have an opportunity to ask the head coach, that might be your one shot to ask it. 
Um, the reporter is well within his right to ask the question. Mike Gundy's well within his right to give whatever response he wants to give. That doesn't necessarily mean I have to agree with the response. He could have just said, I don't want to comment about that right now, right. and moved on. Yeah, yeah. And this would be a big – and it would be a big nothing burger. We wouldn't even be talking about it right no, now. No, no, I agree. And and uh, I, I'm also kind of sensitive about this, this deal about a reporter saying, I have to ask that question. Do you have to? Do you have to? Okay, maybe you – have to ask whether he's going to make staff changes moments after he's lost the bowl game. Do you have to ask it at that moment? And like you said, maybe we don't know when the next media availability will. All of that said, for Mike Gundy to say, uh, you know, let's let's do this right, calling someone an ass and saying I might have to cut you out is not the right (laughs) way. That's not doing it right. I mean, you're you're talking to somebody about, talking about the lives of people and people's livelihoods when you just directly threaten to impact someone's livelihood. So it's, I don't know, I'm just, I'm tired of the Mike Gundy shtick. I'm over it. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was fine for a while, but it's, it's gotten old. Yeah. And, and you know what, Craig? I mean, I, I just wonder, has he gotten to a point, have things gotten to a point there where maybe, maybe the sand's about out of the hourglass on that deal? Longest tenured He's, coach in the Big 12. For a long time. I mean, hey, Mac went through to Texas. Mm-hmm. We saw Gary Patterson go through mm-hmm. to TCU. I mean, it just it gets to a point where it's a, all things have to come to an end. It's got to end at some point, you know. Point of diminishing returns, I guess, or something like that. I always think about Pat Riley talking about, you know, less and less of your messages heard and absorbed. It, it's different in college that, in that you have players cycling through, yeah. especially now in the age of the portal. But – Still in all. I think it's real similar to Gary Patterson at TCU. I mean, you look at what that program, you look at what Oklahoma State was before Mike Gundy, just to call them a, a mediocre program would be an insult to mediocre programs. I mean, they were not very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And they've been, this has the, been the best stretch of football Oklahoma State's played in their history. And, and it's been with Mike Gundy in charge. But at some point, the message just gets stale and it's yep. time to it's time for a break. Yep, no doubt. Uh, you guys need a Southwest Airlines uh flight update here uh it is now over 3,000 flights canceled uh almost 65 percent of its planned flights uh that were to go uh, have been canceled now federal scrutiny is growing uh the transportation secretary pete Buttigieg said uh that uh that it was an unacceptable situation last night and would demand a closer look at southwest scheduling uh, system, and since last Thursday, if you go all the way back to last Thursday, nearly eleven thousand flights have been canceled. Brutal, man, absolutely brutal. Yeah, so it, it's tough. There was a, a pilot tweeting, and I read the I read the tweet where he threw it all on management and said, "This is not the way that Herb <laughs> Kelleher would have done it. They they don't care about their employees. I mean, he just he just eviscerated." Uh, management there. I thought uh, Festivus was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, how about that? Finally, uh, Snoop, this is uh, something that you can identify with. Um, TikTok, viral video. All right. If it's TikTok and viral video, it's, it's Snoop's attention. There was a woman, Isabella Diamond, claims that $2,700 she deposited into a Chase ATM never arrived in her bank account. She was supposed to place a deposit on a new apartment. Says she wasn't able to do so. Uh, went through a whole rigmarole with the uh, with the uh, with Chase, and they were like, "She said the machine spit out a receipt that said like 
called this number to see if it went through. Now, I've never seen that on a receipt. No. She said, I checked my account balance. My account was still negative. There was nothing pending. She asked the Chase representative what they propose she does as she, quote, has no money now. Their alleged response, according to her, was at this point, you're asking me to give you life advice. Um, so she was unhappy. But there were a lot of people who are calling BS on this. Uh, somebody said, if there's a Venmo in her bio, don't fall for it, as the creator has her Venmo account in her bio. Said something is off, just doesn't sit right. I ain't buying it. So uh, somebody said, I'm confused. You had cash that you needed, but you put it all in the ATM. So she then responded to some incredibly mean comments. She said, not once in that video did I ask for money, just trying to get in contact with anybody who works at Chase who can possibly help me. We'll have to follow this and see. Because, Snoop, I know you can identify. Yes. Things, right? I, I feel her, <laughs> her pain. Feel her pain, yep. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for uh, this hour of the program. Coming up will be the press conference, and we'll bring it to you next here on Light the Tower of the Lord. Chad and Zay. Now, my wife, she's, she could throw down too, but she be forgetting that I'm a brother. Love my wife. Does a great job. She means well, works hard. But, you know, sometimes a brother needs some spice.